Welcome back to the And Also With Y'all podcast. My name is James Franklin, and I am a campus and young adult missioner here in North Carolina. And one of the one of my favorite parts of serving and getting to interview folks in this is getting to meet new people and hearing about how God is moving in their lives, especially right now during the pandemic. In the previous episode, we interviewed Philip and Amanda. Please check that episode out if you get a chance. And we talked about what the heck is a curate. And we talked about how this ministry is going for them uh, during this time of pandemic. Uh, they are They were newly minted clergy and they are trying to figure out how to be and how to have ministry in the church at this time. And this week we have the third curate who was not able to be with us in the previous episode, but I think that's probably a good thing so we can have some more time to to talk to him. And on this episode, joining us is Mawetu. And I'm not gonna say your last name, I'll let you say your last name uh, too so that you can, so that everyone can hear it uh, pronounced properly. But Mawetu, it's so great to meet you and I'm so glad you're with us. Hey James, it's good to to be with you, and uh, thank you. My name is Mawetu Ngaka, and uh, I'm from South Africa. I was born in South Africa, and I lived there for like 40 years. Um, so that's where I'm from. I've been here in the U.S. Uh, for five years. So you can guess my age. Uh, <laughs> now you know how old I am. Uh, yeah. And and Mawetu, you're you're serving at a, a... Episcopal Church at a parish here in the diocese, right? Yes. And where are you serving? I'm serving at St. John's Episcopalian Church in Wake Forest. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice place. It's medium-sized church. Yeah. That's great. One of the questions we asked the other curates and ask you too is um wanted to start with some story and, and who you are and some narr- some narrative. And so one of the questions we asked them was, what is the spiritual landscape of your life? So kind of what's your, what's your spiritual upbringing? Wow, that's, that's a, a, a nice question to think about, because I think for me, that's how I became where I'm at. Like my upbringing brought me here. Uh, for an example, when I was baptized, I was baptized in a Presbyterian church. So my grandmother and my mother uh, were Presbyterian. They, my mom is still alive, so they were Presbyterian. So that's where I was baptized. And then I was moved for school. I moved to my aunt. My aunt was a Methodist. So I moved into a Methodist uh, climate. So that's where I, was, I did most of my Sunday school, religious education, trying to understand what's going on about God and whatever. Like when you're young, you know, you're trying to be orientated around religion and all that. But I'm ordained, I'm, I'm almost gonna be ordained Episcopalian. You will ask why? Because my father and my grandfather, my grandfather was a priest and my father has been involved in a Episcopalian church. So I'm kind of like, I'm a mirror of everything. I'm a mixture. Uh, so if you want to see someone who's such a mixture, it's me. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I feel like I feel like the more the more we've seen from other traditions, you can really appreciate the intricacies of your own 
you know, of another tradition too. Yeah. Once you've, once you've seen kind of other things that are out there, right? Yeah, I think for me that came like when I was like 1918 uh, in South Africa, um, growing up and trying to wrestle with this idea of God. Like, what is this God idea? Um, if you know the history of South Africa, uh, that we were oppressed, apartheid regime proclaimed itself to be a Christian. Uh, like right. these guys are Christians who are oppressing others. Uh, and yet there were other people who were saying, no, there's something wrong with this particular kind of Christianity. So at 18, you are like, you're confused. It's like, who's right? Who's, who's telling the real story? And to the point that we are pushed away to the idea of religion. Uh, so I think I wrestled with that while I was in college. And I think for me, one of the big things was just read the Bible. And I was just surprised, like what I can glean from the Bible and interact with the Bible and with other people. I was just, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's something that is not gelling well uh, <laughs> about this particular kind of Christianity. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's so much in that statement. <laughs> um, I mean, as a campus minister, I get to be around people who are wrestling with God and, and trying to figure out what, the, what they believe, you know, shedding their parents' beliefs. Mm -hmm. and, but they're not really in a context. I mean, you, you might make the argument that right now there's, there's a fair amount of suffering in the world, especially with the pandemic. But, but I, I couldn't imagine you know, coming to age and wrestling with that question at the time of apartheid, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, I imagine, uh, I imagine that that suffering that you were probably seeing around you, maybe could, <laughs> I'd be interested to hear more about like what that exploration of, of, you know, where is God, you know, why would God do this, you know, asking those questions about suffering I'd be interested to hear more about that piece of your, of your spiritual, I mean, was there an, was there an experience so, that, so, that clicked? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, you go. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the, 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 one of the big things what, what was wrestling with uh, at that time was, I had a few questions. One, uh, like what kind of God is this? So, Mm. image, image of God, the images that are portrayed, God mm. is seen as white already. Right. And who has power? It's white people. Right. Who's oppressing? It's white people. So it's just like, and who has brought this kind of religion in my, mm. con, in my, con, it's white people. Right. So it's just like, ah, this, this is like too much. I, I just push it back. So the thing that was yeah. so profound for me at that age, like when I was like 12, maybe 12 to about 18, I didn't go to church. Mm. Football, soccer was one of the big things that gave me joy. I, I found community. I that found, was your church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found teamwork. I like all the things, collaboration, like people who care about you, uh, people who love you for who you are. Like even if you don't play a good game, if you lose, you know, like for me, that was like 
But when I went to college, I lost that community because I was, I was not a collegiate soccer player. I was just playing. Um, so in, at college, then I had to still wrestle with that question. It's like, who's God? Where is God in this thing? And there were campus ministers like you, James, who knocked at my door and started talking to me about God. Mm. That was where the problem was for me. Mm-hmm. Because most of the people who are knocking at my door were white guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. just like, forget it. I do not want this white God thing. Mm-hmm. But the wrestle, that, yeah. for me, I think that was the genesis of my wrestle to ask, okay, what kind of God is this? Who is this God? When they talked about Jesus, the image mm-hmm. that I had about Jesus for me, mm-hmm. Jesus was a sellout. He was supposed to liberate his own people. Mm. He did not. Do you see? So that's, for me, that's the lens that was wow. using. Yeah. And like the people who were coming to me could not even wrestle at that level. Either to Pentecostal, out of this world. They were thinking about the other world. Oh, they were too liberal. Like they were too worldly to me. Like it's, like there's, where is the balance? What the conviction of some of the people were not there at all. They were not even convicted. They had no solid conviction about yeah. who God is, even about Jesus, the question about Jesus. So the wrestle for me happened on my own. I had to read the Bible and try to ask questions, went to different communities. And when I realized that, oh man, these people, they're wrestling with this question differently. That mm. made me to say, I think I need to go and study the Bible. Their the hunger and their poverty of spirituality that existed within my world draw me to God. The suffering that I saw, people being killed. Oh, I, I don't want even to mention things that I've seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, as a young man, as a young person, it's like things mm-hmm. that are not, it's, it's just not right. So when you see those things, I was pushed towards, towards God. Mm. Uh, and I think God, in his mercy, revealed himself of who he is. And he pointed to me, to some of the key people, like Episcopalian mm. or Anglican tradition was where I eventually landed because yeah. it made more public sense to me. It mm. made more public witness about wow. what it means to the, the same idea that I have about football team, a team that is inclusive, a team that you play for each other, someone who cares for you, someone who mentors you. That's what I saw in the Anglican uh, space. Wow. What, uh, what a paradox of, <laughs> of landing in the, the religion of, of colonialism too, um, for you, right? You mentioned your your grand your grandfather was a priest. Was that in the Anglican tradition? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's my. Yeah. That's what I saw. Okay. Someone yeah. who was able to be inclusive. Yeah. Who wrestled. My my grandfather was a social worker before, and then he was ordained. Okay. He had some uh, seminary courses, and then he was ordained a priest. So very integrative very sharp in terms of what does it mean to have African spirituality, if there's such a thing. 
yeah. those are the people who helped us to realize who we are mm. as we re- relate to God. But also, like you mentioned something very interesting here about imperial, colonial, religi- religious thoughts that are embedded in Anglicanism. So how did those early priests <laughs> engage with that? Like that's, that's yeah. Bishop, the product of Bishop Tutu, like mm-hmm. people who wrestle with that tradition to say that, no, we, we're not going to be this way. This is the, the direction in which we're taking. Because mm. they were truly themselves. And I think for me, I'm coming from that space that I need to be truly, truly black, truly, truly African, and mm. truly, truly be me in order for me to, to talk about God. If I'm not free to be who I am, I can't talk about God. I love that. I, I, what I hear is that maybe the Anglican tradition, even though it has roots in imperialism and in colonialism, that it still had space it still had space there for identity uh, to be formed. And it still had space there for God and Jesus not to be white bearded men, but an image of God that that relates to your upbringing, your culture, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that that there was space maybe in the Anglican tradition for, for that to, to take shape. I think the, the, the one of the big things about, we didn't want to go to this route about talking about uh, like denominations and all that. But I think <laughs> th- there's something beautiful when there's diversity of thought, diversity of perspective. And when those perspectives are willing to engage honestly, now, don't, you don't have to shy away from right. who you are, but be honest of who you are. And I have to make space for who you are, James. I'm emptying myself when I'm, when I'm making space for you. That's what Jesus did. Jesus opened up himself so that he can make a way for us. He was truly himself in doing mm-hmm. so. So I think that, that for me, it's the crux of the matter. And we, we have to wrestle with that. And we have to be honest with all of us. And I think for me, that's the aspect of, like sometimes religiosity becomes hypocrisy. Oh, amen. Not honest reflection of who we are and how do I make space for you mm-hmm. and dialogue with you on equal level or the equal page. For also Anglicanism is so hierarchical, which is, I think that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> It, it is. <laughs> That's probably a whole nother topic. <laughs> we might have to come back to that one. Um, but yes, no, no. I, I, I may have even mentioned in the previous ex- episode, we talked about one of my favorite definitions of ministry is just making space of having, having that ability to create space and to trust that God is filling it up, asking God's presence into it. And that wherever we go, whatever we're doing, whether it's on Zoom or in person or we're worshiping or we're doing counseling or something, that we are creating some kind of space between us. And in that space that we are not only asking for the Holy Spirit's presence, but we're, but we're also creating something together. You know, you, I hadn't really thought about it before this, but maybe there's something too about, about our 
diversity of thought, you said, and our ability to have such a broad theology that is so rooted in the personhood of the Trinity and especially in Jesus, that we are, that we're able to have that freedom to immediately have that space with folks. I hear that, I hear that in, in, in that answer. And I'm wondering too that, um, to go back to, uh, you know, I, I'm a campus minister and you mentioned that you had some background in campus ministry too. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of what that was like for making space and, and um, what that experience was like for you to, to work with, especially with young folks. So you can see my religious experience happened while I was a young person at college level. I was doing engineering then, and I worked for a refinery for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. And then I wrestled with this thing of call. And then a friend of mine introduced me to campus ministry. Then I helped him and worked with him there. Cool. So that's where I'm coming from. Like, so the thing that I, for me, was this idea of hospitality. Like hospitality is a big thing about God. Yeah, say more about that. This, I, you, you, we were just talking about it now. Yeah. And the idea of making space. So th- th- that's that's the, the love of stranger, creating space for someone else. Uh, so in South Africa, we have different languages. So how do I accommodate someone who doesn't speak my language? How do I engage that person at a human level without the hindrance of language itself? Without me pandering at the dominant language, mm. which is English, which is, you know, but how do I create space and invite that person to be who they are? So I think that for me was, as we read the Bible, we would say to people, you can read it in any language you want. Open it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Share your views. Like if, if you struggle to speak English, talk in your language. Someone else is going to try to explain to us. You see, that's confusing in the beginning, but it's also liberating. When people find their voice, and yeah. their voice is celebrated. That's hospitality. That's mm. what I was trying to do with students. And like that for me was life-giving. And that was what I was trying to do. And I think that's, I hope that's what you're doing. Because young people feel like no one wants to listen to them. Young people feel like the older people, they lost touch. So we are creating that space to say, hey, we're walking with you, we're here. I'm not a professor. I'm just here trying to be a friend and trying to understand your world and share my own experience. And that's it. I think, I think in my context right now, it's, it's probably, I mean, everyone speaks English, but, um, but I am not versed in the language of TikTok, you know, or, uh, or other new modes of communication. So maybe that's my, maybe I need to do some spiritual growth on the edge of meeting people where they are, especially in those spaces too. Yeah. But um, that's that, that's so fascinating, and and thank you for for talking about your your upbringing, your your spiritual history, your past, and that has shaped who you are. I'd love to know, um, and I think folks would like to know how how did you come to be in North Carolina, and how did you come to this curacy program, and what was what was the what was behind that, and and kind of how did how did you how did you make your way here to North Carolina and into the the diocese of North Carolina into this program? Well, I, I lived in Cape Town for like 20 years or so. And 
my, my ordination process and discerning happened in that diocese. So when, when I just left campus ministry, so, you know, you get old, like you have kids, uh, <laughs> so you can't do the things that you used to do, like Friday nights or like Saturdays. It's like you're, you have kids at home. So I had to like kind of like change vocation. Right. Um, that resonates with me. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not saying change now. I think you still have time. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, yeah, just the, but the rhythm of life um, for those yes. of, yeah. for those listening who are not um, not in tune with what happens on the campus. No one wants to meet. You know, no, no groups want to meet before you know 6 p.m. Oh yeah, so everything happens later. Yeah, at night. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, like that's life. How that's right. life happens at night. Mm-hmm. But for you, like another. It's hard with kids. Yeah, you know, like you have to. I started having kids and then I realized the limitation uh, mm. of my time because I had time. My wife will join me in some of the occasions when mm-hmm. we didn't have kids. So it was, but when we started to make family, um, so some decision needed to be made. Mm. And while I was in that process anyway, I was thinking about ordination within the Episcopalian church or Anglican church in South Africa. So I was in the ordination process and discerning process. So. The reason why I left South Africa was that my wife's uh, stepmom died mm. while they were doing the ordination process. The, the diocese of uh, Telbury were already like saying, okay, we want you, you are our ordinate. You just needed one step. So I had to choose between going through the process and finishing it at home or serving my family. So mm. I think we landed on this side because we wanted to be closer to Lisa's family, to my wife's family, but they were not living in North Carolina. So we chose a neutral place, place where we can drive to them or come back. Uh, so North, North Carolina made sense for me because I'm African. I don't like cold. I don't like winter. <laughs> uh, so my wife compromised on that. Uh, also I'm black. So I wanted some place that there's black people, a lot of black people. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. It, it was not easy. Yeah. It, like coming to a place, I, I didn't know anyone. I don't know this place. I have no mm-hmm. connection. You know, church is yeah. connection. Like who you know, who do you know? Who are you from? You know, like all those. I have to start from scratch. Starting from scratch, yeah. Yes. So, but it was liberating, <laughs> even though it was difficult. When I look back at that, because you, at times you forget that, like when you're in these processes, you become at the center mm-hmm. of church and right. everything revolves around That's right. that yes. particular community. So for Thank you. me, yeah. I was, I literally, I was moved to the margins of society. Mm-hmm. And like for the first three years, I didn't find any meaningful work. I mm-hmm. worked at Whole Foods. Like yeah. I did all kinds of stuff there at Whole Foods. So like, how do you then move back into that community and try to make sense of yes. your call, your vocation, what God has called you to, and own it up and be faithful, not to the institution, but to God who has called you. So for me, I think those are the, that, that's what I was trying to help students to do. So mm-hmm. it was time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> practice what you preached. So right. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, always, always family first, you know? <laughs> um but yes, I, I, you you nailed it. You na- you named exactly what I was trying to uh, put words to 
And that was, yes, when you were in the process that you are, it, it's so all encompassing of everything in, in your world. And it's so, it's so hard to, to pump the brakes and stop that, that whole process from happening because it's unclear, like, well, what is, you know, what is God's timing and what is, what do I want? And sometimes the process isn't very forgiving of uh, your life events and just being very gracious and graceful in, in what's going on in our lives. <laughs> so, but wow, I, I can't imagine having to just uproot completely and to rebuild everything and, um, and move to somewhere new. And uh, well, so I guess the, my, my question, my follow-up question is, is how, how then uh, are, are you currently in the, in the process for the Episcopal church here in North Carolina? Yes, I am. Uh, I okay. So, so I found like in that, those first three years, I found a spiritual director. Yeah. I found a place where I belong, St. Philip's, uh, Durham adopted me, uh, kind of. Um, so I had to kind of, you know, you show your face in church community so that they know you. Um, so it's my sponsoring uh, parish. parish. Um, yeah. So that's, it's a long process, mm-hmm. but as such, it, it's, it forms you in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like church is a human institution. Yes. So church has its own. Yes, it is. Uh, for, it doesn't forward, the, it doesn't go quickly as you want it. No. It's like, no, I was, <laughs> I was in South Africa, I was accepted. So why don't you guys forward those people? It's like, oh, sure. no, we have our own process here. And that process takes sometimes so long <laughs> that you was like, ah, it's frustrating. But yeah, it's forming. There's a joke, which really is not a very funny joke, that um, to make it through the process, you must truly be called. It's it, Part of it's just like endurance, you know? <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like stubborn will, but there is probably a piece of it of, I mean, there is an evaluative piece of like, how, how much do you want this? Like, how are you committed to this thing? And sometimes there's unnecessary hoops that Mm -hmm. that processes make you jump through in in ordination. And some of it's, some of it's well-intentioned and some of it is, you know, may, might have more to do with ego (laughs) and satisfying someone else's requirements, but I'm I'm glad you're back in it, and I can't imagine how that would feel to to just start all over again <laughs> in that process. Yeah, but but I think, as I said, there's a human institution, so mm-hmm. you meet people where they are, mm-hmm. and they will meet you where you are, and God moves in that space. So I think I think again this issue of like I can't come here and want to change how this diocese is formed. I come here to serve people of God. Mm. And this is, this is how they've developed their own process. For me to serve God's people, I need to contextualize who my life, myself into that. So it's this bending, which is forming. And those are spiritual richness that sometimes we lose when we say, oh, this thing doesn't work for me. Let me move and do something else. God does not give up on us. Mm-hmm. God will never give up on us. God, if he called you, he's going to make a way. And he has done it for me. God has mm-hmm. been so faithful. I have, I have no regrets. I have no, like as long as it takes, 
I am called by you. I'll just follow you. And I think mm-hmm. that for me is that separation too, to know mm-hmm. that I'm not here to serve an institution. I'm mm-hmm. here to serve God who has formed these, these, these institutions. So I think that distinction is helpful for all mm-hmm. the priests, for those who are mitered, uh, the, the high ups, and for <laughs> us, the low downs. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. we're about. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Just that element of humility of, you know, who shall I send? You know, well, here I am. Here I am, God. Send me. Um, how how is God how is God calling you in St. John's Wake Forest right now? And how what is how is ministry what does ministry look like, especially right now amidst pandemic for you? I'm glad that I belong to a thing called reimagining curacy. So mm-hmm. that's the tag that I can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm I mean, that's appropriate. It was very it apropos. So appropriate. <laughs> but also, I'm glad to say that the people are not coming to church. You understand? So the good thing is that there's no routines. Everything is broken down. Like if the church was going the old way, it was going to be difficult for us to push back and say, how do we reimagine? The church was going to push back on us. I was going to be told what to do. Right. I was going to be told, no, this is what we are doing here. That's the way we've always done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here you like, go. No, Fit into this mold. Yeah, everyone is in the margins. <laughs> yeah. We're all in the margins. And that's mm. so beautiful Yeah. and so difficult. So I think for me, that's why I said God doesn't waste time. God mm. doesn't, like, if you're faithful to God, God will place you at the right time so that you bring your own experience in helping people to say, we can do this. I was once at the center in South Africa. I was in the margin for the past, the other three years. Now, as I'm coming back to the center, we're all in the margins. So we have to imagine <laughs> what does it look like? So I think for me, that's, that's what I'm pressing on. I'm leaning on that and COVID is, COVID, we're getting vaccines soon. So like we have to press people so that they, when they come back, they will think anew. Right. Don't 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 lose that spirit of creativity that we were forced into. Let's keep that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that's where renewal is. That's where our own sense of like, oh yeah, you know, this is how I used to do advert. This is uh, we mm-hmm. get to the rat. We are right. called not to be of the rat. We're called to be people of the spirit. We're led by the spirit. So I think the spirit is leading us somewhere. And I think we need to uh, ride that wave and be there. So that's Amen. where I'm at. I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I'm really excited because I think everyone in the staff is like, we're there. We're pushing. We're trying to start new things. We're trying to new, do new things. People are on Zoom. Uh, I meet people on Zoom. I phone people. I connect with people on different things. The church is in that space. And I just find myself energized by that. It's life-giving. Making space on in phone calls. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing how much uh, the difference between meeting in person and then, but the, having the same, I feel like there was less at stake when we were meeting in person. You know, you can show up somewhere, but like calling someone, that takes um, a lot. I mean, you can, there are ways that I think that we can be vulnerable with each other and we've had to find new ways, right, of being church that uh, I, I wouldn't say just that like supplement 
of in-person stuff. I, I think it's uh, to some degrees we, we've been able to go deeper than we ever have been with folks. I don't know if that's been your experience with folks at, at St. John's, but. I think for me, the thing that has helped, one of the pieces that has helped me. So before I just came in at St. John's, I was a chaplain resident at Duke University. So like going into people's rooms when they don't know you, you have mm-hmm. to introduce yourself. It's a muscle that was built. People yeah, are hospital, sick. Hospital yeah, chaplain. Right? Yes, yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You see, like that muscle mm-hmm. is strengthened. So when I come here, yeah, I don't know you. I don't know anyone, but I need to talk to you. What we're going to talk about, I know we're going to talk about difficult things. You are lonely. I'm lonely. I need you. You need me. So let's talk. Do you see? It's like, yeah. And I have to acknowledge my own vulnerability. I have my own feelings too. Like, yeah, it's, this thing sucks, man. <laughs> it's not nice. But okay, what are we going to make out of it? Mm. <laughs> what is God doing out of this? Mm. How is your family helping you? How is the church family helping you? How can we connect with you? How can we help with you? You see, so I think for me, that, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm pressing on. Yeah. So what are you, what are you doing right now that is, that's keeping you sane? What's filling your cup and, and keeping you grounded? I, I'm always curious to, to hear other people, how other people are, are, are feeling connected and staying connected to God and, and trying to make meaning out of all this. So music is big. Uh, I'm not a musician, but I love music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like every year I start to listen to a new, uh, like every Advent, I, like last year I was listening to Stevie Wonder, like the whole time people are just like, why is this good? Like my kids, I'm just playing Stevie Wonder, I'm playing Stevie Wonder. Uh, <laughs> like what, what's wrong daddy? Like, no, 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 this is my, this is my zone. I just want to live. I, I'm just walking with Stevie here and want to uh, dance in his music. Uh, so it. this year I went to John Coltrane. Okay. Uh, so I pressed on him. I was like, oh, this guy is tight. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> um, like, um, like last night I was baking. I was just listening to John, like Coltrane uh-huh. music. You know, that's like, for me, I think that's, that's my new space. Like I, I engage in that and learn that new music that I was not into it. Um, yeah. But that's Advent for me. Like that's uh, how I... Love Supreme. Oh, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, there's so many themes there too mm-hmm. that are oh, so yeah. religious, that are so connect- spiritual. Oh, yeah. It takes you to another world. Mm. Like I'm learning a new language, a new like oh, I love that. things like that's why I le- like those guys they have done it they lived it so I'm trying to go into them and say oh what can you teach me about life but mm. the way in your own way in, they are true to themselves how can I be true to myself so mm. I think that for me those are the things and my I've got two boys and my wife so we have uh, yeah how old are your boys yeah 12 and 10 Okay. Almost 12 and 10. Wow. So, uh, so that's, that's another source of a joy. Uh, yeah, we love football. Like mm-hmm. All kinds of football. Your American, your handball. 
Um, oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah handball, handball. <laughs> not not real football. Yeah, yeah, not not the real foot like American foot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's uh, your who's your team? Who do you root for? I I decided not to root for any team. Uh, okay. Because I don't want to be sad. Oh. Yeah, it's wise. Huh? Oh my God, that's yeah, amazing. It's yeah, it's wise. That's so wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, the wisest team, thing I think I've ever heard. Uh, oh my gosh, that that's so. Team that wins, I'm happy. Like, wow, they played well. Like last oh, night. Like. Raven. Yeah. yeah, they won. We and are I'm so. <laughs> I I mean that's just that's that's mind blowing to me because I've just been brought up in a culture that that like we just you know, you know you have a team. Yeah, you choose a team. And, 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 with you, the and team. you pick. You know. I mean, I went to Chapel Hill, so, you know, I like the Tar Heels. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, and my wife went to Duke, so, you know, we've had this we've oh, had this man, rivalry. This yeah, we, it's not nice. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've never, I've honestly never thought about, like, you know, what if I just love basketball? Yeah. And we just, we just, like, enjoy the game. Oh, man. Come on now. I'm done. That, that, <laughs> you can't be done. My went to, yeah, we just <laughs> mic dropped right there on us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to help my boys. My yeah. boys are so competitive. So the other one is UNC, the other one is Duke. Like we're trying to help them. Guys, come on, let go of this thing. It doesn't build us. Mm. If you love basketball, just enjoy the game. That's so valuable, especially to, to teach to our kids. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you turn into like Russia training their, you know, kid to be Olympic gold medalist when they're, you know, two years old. Yeah. And it's not fun for them anymore, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. right. Teaching them that just love, just love the game and mm-hmm. love the sport, have fun. That's so amazing. So, yeah. So you're listening to music and I, I can just picture you dancing in the kitchen, uh, listening to John Coltrane. <laughs> love it. Yeah, that's a great grounding practice, uh, you know, and that resonates with me too. I, I connect, I connect to God through music, and when I'm listening to a song that makes me feel exactly what I need to feel, I can't help but think, like, wow, like this, this artist that that the Holy Spirit co-created with them, you know, to make this thing that is now giving me some meaning right now. That's now putting putting words and movement and images into what I've been feeling. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's beautiful. I'm, I might, I'm going to have to steal your, I'm going to have to steal your practice for rent or something. <laughs> it's free. You know? It's yeah. not mine. Someone, maybe <laughs> someone else is doing it, but they never mm. talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. My way to thank you so much for being the guest and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, James. I uh, appreciate this time. And that's it for this episode of And Also With Y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to know more about this podcast or about the church, please visit us online at episdionc.org. That is the Episcopal Church of North Carolina. And we're so glad that you have been with us today. Thanks a lot for listening.